listening to audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. If you'd like to check out more resources, please visit twinvillageschurch.org. So we are in um, Psalm 89. This will be our last um, Advent uh, message, and then next week we're going to do, we'll launch, we're going to roll out our initiatives for 2022, and then that's January 2nd. So January 9th, we're going to start working our way through the book of Judges. Um, and so I'm not sure how long that's going to take at this point, um, not as long as Hebrews, but um, so we're going to spend some time in Judges, and I think you will be blessed by it. It's a very difficult book. Um, it's difficult to hear sometimes. It's got a lot of very interesting and fun stories in there, history in there, but then we'll obviously connect that to, to the gospel. And so Psalm 89, um, it's a very long psalm. Um, we're not, I'm not going to read the entire thing. It's 52 verses. Um, so we're going to be looking at two sections, verses 1 through 4, and then verses 29 through 36. Um, <coughs> so the psalm was written by a man, if you, in your Bibles, it might say, um, right before verse 1, a mascal of Ethan the Ezraites. All right, Ethan the Ezraites, you can go to 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 31, and his name is listed there. He's also in a genealogy in first, <clears throat> excuse me, Chronicles chapter 2, verse 6. So Ethan the Ezraite um, was with Solomon, was in and around when Solomon was living. Um, and Ethan the Ezraite in 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 31, um, was no slouch. He was a very wise man. That's what um, 1 Kings 4.31 says, if I had to paraphrase that. But the, the issue being, he was a very wise man, but Solomon was wiser. Um, God had gifted Solomon with extraordinary wisdom. All right, so when we read that this is from Ethan the Ezraite, he's a smart guy. Right? And so as you, if you were to sit and read all of Psalm 89, you would hear that, that Ethan the Ezraite praises God as the sovereign creator of the worlds. And then he talks about the covenant that God made with David, the Davidic covenants. But then he kind of switches and starts lamenting because there were these promises that God had made to David's line, to the kingdom of David, if you will, and they, they aren't really being fulfilled yet. They're not fully realized. In fact, the king has suffered some defeats and some setbacks, and so he's kind of bemoaning the fact that, hey, you've made, you're the creator, you're sovereign, you've made this covenant with David, but we're not seeing it play out fully yet. So that's Psalm 89, but we're not going to launch through all of that. We're just going to focus again on verses 1 through 4 and 29 through 36, two smaller portions. So let me read that for us this morning. And then we'll have, some, we'll have some fun. We have to do a little bit of background work and stuff. And so hopefully you'll enjoy it and will benefit greatly from it. So let me read Psalm 89, verses 1 through 4, and then I will read 29 through 36. It says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant. 
I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Verse 29. I will establish your offspring forever and his throne as the days of of the heavens. If his children forsake my law and do not walk according to, to my rules, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, then I will punish their transgressions with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. But I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the words that went forth from my lips. Once for all I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. If his offspring will endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me, like the moon it shall be established forever, a faithful witness in the skies. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you again for this opportunity to be here. Lord, and I know <laughs> there are those who aren't feeling well, um, Lord, who aren't here. And so again, I just want to lift them up to you. And uh, Lord, we know that they're, they're missing their church family. Lord, I pray now that you would help us to focus in on you and on your words. Lord, that we would hear from you this morning. Lord, it is such a gift to have your word, Lord, it's such a gift to be able to sit and to, to read it and to hear it preached, Lord, and to study it. And Lord, your, your word is what sanctifies us, and so Lord, I pray that that would do that work, that we would hear clearly from you, that our lives would be changed, our hearts would be changed, Lord, that we would love you more because of our time here this morning. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. So we're going to spend some time talking about the Davidic covenants. We have to understand that in order to kind of understand what Ethan, the Ezraite, is trying to tell us. And so the Davidic covenant is found in 2 Samuel chapter 7. Um, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna, again, I'm not going to go back and read all of this, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna, we're going to talk real briefly kind of about some of the key provisions or the key ideas that were in this covenant that God made to David that is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. So starting in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 9, all right, the prophet Nathan was told, tell this to David. And so Nathan is regurgitating the words that God give, had given him to speak to David. And in verse 9, he says that I will make for you a great name like the name of the great ones of the earth. So the first thing God's going to do is make David a great name. He's going to be well known. Verse 10, God says, I'm going to appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them there. They're going to get lands. They're going to have a place to hunker down. Verse 11, I will give them rest. I will give you rest from all your enemies. Right? David was a man that was just was constantly, it seemed like, at war and at battle and always kind of on the run and on the move. And God says, hey, listen, I'm going to make you a great name. You're going to have a place and I'm going to give you rest from your enemies. And in verses 12 and 13, he says, I will establish his kingdom, the throne of his kingdom forever. It's going to be God's work to set up this kingdom. 
Verse 14, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. So there's going to be this father-son relationship between God and David. In verses 14 and 15, he tells David, when you commit iniquity, I will discipline, but my steadfast love will not depart. So there's something different about this covenant that God is making with David's. He's going to sin, but when he does, he will be disciplined, but God will stay with him. Now, that's different than Saul. Right? God took his spirit from Saul. He's not going to do that with David's. And in verse 16 of 2 Samuel 7, he says, "...and your house and your kingdom shall be, shall be, made, shall be made sure forever before me." Your throne shall be established forever. And so this, it's this eternal kingdom. <laughs> David's going to have a great name. He's going to have a place. He's going to have land. He's going to have rest. God's going to establish his kingdom. He's going to be punished for his disobedience, but yet God's steadfast love is not going to depart from him, and his kingdom is going to go on forever and ever and ever. It's a tremendous, tremendous covenant and a promise that God made to David's. But so the thing is, it's not unique to, the, to that day and to that age and to that culture that David grew up in. Because what God has done here, right, and if you want to have, if you're like a history person, I almost said nerd, if you're a history person and you love to do this stuff, like just start researching different treaties that were taking place, that were in place in the ancient Near East, right? And this is a land-grant treaty or a grant treaty. And so what God, so so David knew this kind of agreement. The other nations that were surrounding David knew this kind of agreement that was in place. And so if you go back to, if you remember back to last week, we were in Psalm 22, right? And some of the mocking that David endured. So Psalm 22, verse 8, the people were mocking him and saying, he trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Okay, so the people are almost mocking this treaty that David found himself in with God. But this treaty is, is, is very unique, and it's a very different kind of treaty, because what happens, right, is a, a sovereign king is going to make a treaty with a subordinate king over an area of land that he's going to be able to be safe in and protect. And that treaty stays in place as long as the king wants it to. The sovereign king wants it to. And so if the subordinate king steps out of line, he'll just replace the subordinate king with somebody else, but he can still keep that treaty in effect. So the king, the subordinate king, has to be faithful to the, to the sovereign king. And this happened quite often back in that day. So now if you start thinking about this right in now very biblical terms... You have the sovereign king, the ruler, the creator of all, God, establishing a treaty, a covenant with a subordinate king, David, and he's giving him land. 
He's giving him a place to, to live and to, to call his own. And part of his job was to maintain that land so the sovereign king, so God's kingdom will continue. But yet God's saying, your kingdom is going to continue because I'm going to make it continue. And if you step out of line, if you're not faithful, I'm going to punish you, but the kingdom's going to continue. So this is the treaty right, that, that God has put in place with, with David's. Right? And we know right, that David's kingdom continued on forever and ever, and it's ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. So we're going to spend some time towards the end in Matthew chapter 1, looking at the genealogy of Jesus. But David was called to be faithful to his gods. We know that ultimate faithfulness came only through Jesus. So under the Davidic covenant that God made, the faithfulness, the fulfillment of that covenant didn't really rest with David. It rested with God and God's faithfulness. We need, we need that background because <laughs> God's faithfulness is what we land on and what keeps us going. And so in those first four verses now, back to Psalm 89, there, there's two major themes um, in those four verses. Uh, you might have picked up on them. Let me read this for you again, and I might emphasize these two major themes. I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. Man, steadfast love, faithfulness, forever establish. You, you see these themes come pouring out of those first four verses. And that steadfast love that is being talked about here is the Hebrew word hesed. Right? And in that word are things like mercy and compassion and love and grace and faithfulness. It's all kind of loaded into that one word. So hesed, this faithful, steadfast love, isn't an emotion. It isn't a feeling, but it's, it's an action. It, it kind of describes who God is. He is merciful. He is compassionate. He is loving. He's grace. He's full of grace. He's, he's faithful. So there's this sense of, of love and loyalty, and compassion, and commitment that God has. That is His steadfast love. <laughs> and I will sing, Ethan the Ezraite says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. I will sing. 
It's one thing to say something. It's another thing to sing something. So last week, after church, we celebrated a birthday. And she's very thankful that we celebrated her birthday. It was a huge blessing to her, and she wants to make sure that you know what a blessing that was to celebrate Mrs. Brown's 80th birthday. Okay, and it's one thing to say happy birthday, but it's different when everyone gets together and sings happy birthday. It's different. It's the same, but it's, it's different, isn't it? It's just different. And it's the same thing here, I think, what Ethan is telling us, that Ezra is saying, like, it's one thing just to talk and to say God's steadfast love, and it's going to endure forever, but if we sing it, it's, it's different. And, and, and we're going to sing this, I'm going to sing this forever. I'm always going to be singing about the steadfast love of my God, because I've experienced it. And so the only thing I can do, I can talk about it, but man, I want to sing about it. So he has this lifestyle of singing about the steadfast love of the Lord, his, his hesed, his grace, his mercy, his compassion, his love, his faithfulness. It's who he is. But then we start thinking about, we're going to do that for all of eternity, by the way. Do you think about that? For all of eternity, we'll be singing about the steadfast love of our gods. He's, he's invested in this. He's invested in wanting to sing about the faithfulness of his gods. Think about the Christmas story. Right? What happens when the, the angel appears to the shepherds? Right? The angel speaks, but then all of a sudden, what happens? Well, there's a, a multitude of heavenly hosts that are singing the praises and the glory of God. <laughs> you think about the shepherds. Right? The shepherds, they, they left, and they, they went, and they saw the baby lying in a manger. And then they, 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 they left and went back, and, and they, they made known everything that they had seen and that they had heard, and were told that they returned glorifying and praising. So it's not just talking, it's this praise, and it's this song, and it's this singing. And in, chapter, in verse 2 of, of Psalm 89, he goes on and says, the steadfast love will be built up forever, and the heavens you will establish your faithfulness. Now remember, this guy, Ethan, he's no slouch. He's a smart dude. He understands what's happening. He understands this covenant that God has made with David. It's, it's who God is. It's what He's all about. It's about his, his faithfulness and His steadfast love. And then He quotes, right? You have said, 
He's quoting God here and says, I have made my cover, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David my servant, I will establish your offspring forever and build up your throne for all generations. He's kind of summarizing 2 Samuel chapter 7. Like, this is what's going on. This is who our God is. He's the creator, he's sovereign, he's faithful, and I'm going to sing about it. I'm going to tell people about it. He is faithful. He is, he's established this. He's made this covenant with David, his chosen one, but his ultimate chosen one is who? It's Jesus. So it's fulfilled in Jesus. It's to show God's faithfulness. So Ethan is saying, we have to be singing here. We have to be singing about this. He's making, I, I need to make this known because it's about the reality of God's steadfast love and his faithfulness to David and to, to, to all those kings that are coming after David. His, his throne, his kingdom is going to be forever and ever and ever. And it's because God is faithful that this is going to happen. It, it's, it's God's business, he's faithful. It's God who's saying there's going to be a stable dynasty and a rule that goes on forever and ever and ever. And so now we fast forwards to verse 29. And verse 29 sounds a lot like verse 4. Right? I will establish his offspring forever and his throne as the days of the heavens. That's verse 29. Verse 4, I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. So he's talking about this, and then there's this little bit of an interlude, and then he gets back to verse 29 and says, oh, hey, and by the way, in case you forgot, let's go back and look at verse 4 again. It's God's work. But then he provides detail to show the faithfulness of God's. And how does he do this? <laughs> he does it by showing how unfaithful we are. Verse 30, if his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules. Verse 31, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments. Verse 32, then I will punish their transgression with the rod and with, with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. Verse 33, but I will not remove from him my steadfast love or be false to my faithfulness. I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. It's this fascinating, and here's the way we can summarize those verses. You want to condense those down? Three words, if, then, Nevertheless, if his children forsake my law and do not walk according to my rules, if they violate my statute and do not keep my commands, then I will punish them. But, or nevertheless, I will not remove from him my steadfast love. It's showing God's faithfulness in light of our unfaithfulness. 
if his children forsake my law, if his children do not walk according to my rules. We're going to, again, we're going to, go, we're going to spend a few moments in Matthew chapter 1. It's not if, it's when. They will. They're going to fall, but God's saying, but, they're not, but I'm not going to forsake my faithfulness to the covenant that I made with David. If they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments, that, that word violate, there, there, there's an intensity there um, when it comes to violating, okay? And, 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 and the best way I can explain it is, is this. Um, there will be times when I'm driving um, on Route 1, and I'm not really paying attention. I could be listening to a podcast. I could be on the phone, whatever, hands-free. Um, I could be doing something like that. And all of a sudden, I look down, and I'm like, chewy. 65 and a 55 coming up on the, uh, the ball field right there in Nobleboro. There's usually a Lincoln County Sheriff sitting there. You know, boop, he's off the gas. Like, man alive, I better pay attention. Right? But then there's other times that I'm on Route 1 driving, and I'm like, I'm late, and 65, I probably could go 70. Right? And I'm pushing it, right? Because I'm late. <laughs> this violating that's being talked about here is the number two example that I gave you. It's this, you know what you're supposed to do, you know that it's wrong, but in that moment, you don't care. That, that, that's that's the, the intensity behind this, if they violate my statutes and do not keep my commandments. And so as we, if we, as we, as we look at Matthew chapter 1, you're, there are kings from the line of David that knew what the statutes were, that knew what God's law said, and they said, I don't care, I'm going to do this anyway. That's violating. But then you get to verse 34, and God says, I will not violate my covenant. I will not. You can be as hard-nosed and as set in and as rebellious as you want to be. You can thumb your nose at me, but I will not violate my covenants. I'm not going to alter the words that left my mouth. It's the faithfulness of God <laughs> with His covenants. You're going to you're going to you're going to turn from me. You're going to sin, and I'm going to discipline you. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm right to discipline you. You deserve the discipline. And guess what? That discipline's going to hurt. But I'm not taking my steadfast love from you. I'm not doing it. So you, you see, right? So just in those verses, you see the, the, this contrast, right, of our unfaithfulness, Right? Do we forsake the law of God? Do we not walk according to His rules? Do we violate His statutes? Do we not keep His commands? Yeah, 
We do. But God will not take his steadfast love from us. We're in, we're in Christ. He's paid for that sin. We're not to be willfully sinning, but when we do, we know that we are safe because of Jesus. We can be disciplined for our disobedience. God is making us more like His Son, Jesus. He's transforming us each and every day in our lives to be more and more like Jesus. God stays faithful to that work that He began in you. And He'll see it through to completion. You, you, you may experience trial and suffering and, 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 and punishment for, for sin, but He's not annulling His relationship that He has with you. That's why we need the gospel each. We need to remind ourselves of the gospel each and every day that God is faithful, that He's not going to remove anything. He's not going to be false. He's not going to violate. He's not going to alter the words that come from His mouth. He will not change. In verse 35 of Hebrew, or excuse me, of Hebrews, yeah, of Psalm 89, right, just jumps off the page at me every time I read this psalm. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness. I will not lie to David. He's sworn by his holiness. Holiness. There's nothing greater that he can swear by. Right? So, so you start thinking about your own life. You start thinking about the ways that you, you sin and the ways that you rebel against God. And then you read verse 35. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness. You should just like stop dead in your tracks. Be like, this is my, my God. He, this is what he's, he's done for me. He's, 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 by His holiness and who He is because of Christ, He, he has me. He's going to remain faithful to me. This, I have sworn by my holiness. There's, that statement is, is written as a fact. Right? And so again, remember the, 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 the author of this psalm? Ethan the Ezraite, no slouch, really, really smart guy, writes this in such a way, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes this in such a way where it's like, here's the facts. He's sworn by his holiness. He, he, he said it. And it's a fact, but, but, the, but the, the implications of that statement continue on into the present and to the future. It's like it's a factual promise. It's a statement that you can stake your life on. He's sworn by His holiness. And, and, and we see the, the fulfillment of this and the beauty of this in Jesus and Him sending His Son Jesus to this earth to take on our sin and to pay our sin debts. 
And he's sworn by his holiness, and he's done this work, and this is the beauty of the gospel. And so when we understand this, when we start wrestling with this and living in light of this, then when we read in verse 1, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever, yeah, we should, because God is faithful. So Psalm 89 takes the promises of 2 Samuel 7 and almost and like enhances them and pulls them out for us and should draw them closer and closer to us. Because they're, they're fulfilled in, in Christ. And so the Davidic king was a son to, to God's. In Psalm 89, verse 27, he talks about, I will make him the firstborn. Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. He created, he saves, he rules. He has absolute power, absolute control, absolute authority, absolute responsibility. It's the supremacy of Jesus. Read the book of Hebrews. That's who he is. He's the firstborn. Yes, the Davidic king is going to have, I'm going to make David, David's going to have a great name. But then you read Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. Therefore God has highly exalted him, that's Jesus, and bestowed on him a name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It's exalted. It's the most high. God promised rest for David from his enemies. Jesus gives us rest from the greatest enemy. Sin and death. And it's forever and ever and ever. As long as the sun is before me, like the moon that shall be established forever, forever, a faithful witness to the skies. It's God's faithfulness to his people. Right? And so now we go to Matthew chapter one. <coughs> We're gonna move quick. <laughs> We're gonna start in verse uh, six. We kind of talked about some of the people earlier on in the genealogy. Okay, we won't rehash those. Right, we went through those when we went through Hebrews. But we get to verse 6. It says, the middle of verse 6 is, And David was the father of Solomon by the wife of Uriah. Right, so all I'm going to do is I'm going to talk real briefly about the kings that are in this list. So we'll go from middle of verse 6 until... Uh, verse 11. Okay, so here we go. So you have Solomon. What do we know about Solomon? Well, Solomon, God was with Solomon, right? God blessed Solomon um, with great wealth and with great wisdom. Scripture tells us that God made Solomon exceedingly great, right? So 
Solomon, if we want to summarize the life of Solomon, we can summarize it this way. He was faithful. Faithful does not equal perfect, but he was faithful. Rehoboam, okay, right before the early part of Rehoboam's rule, uh, the kingdom divides into the north, Israel to the south, and the south, southern kingdom, Judah. Um, (coughs) Excuse me, Rehoboam abandons God. So you have David who was faithful, you have Solomon who was faithful, then the next guy up, the next line, right, of this kingdom that's going to go on forever and ever from the house and line of David, Rehoboam was unfaithful. Next king, Abijah, unfaithful. Next king, Asaph. This is, this is King Asa. Okay, so there's, there's different ways of writing it. This is King Asa. Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. Asa was faithful. Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat sought God. He walked, with, he walked in light of God's commandments. Jehoshaphat was faithful. Joram. Joram did evil in the sight of the Lord's. He was unfaithful. And just as like a little aside, when you read about uh, Joram, right, there's this little line in there when it's kind of recounting his, his life. So it says that Joram did evil in the sight of God, and God was not willing to destroy the house of David because of him. That's not a tagline you want in your life, right? But that's what he was known for. That's how bad it was. Now, you think about, right, he had every, God had every right to, after who? Jehoshaphat. No, excuse me, Rehoboam. To be like, I'm done. But he's faithful. He's not going to alter the words that come from his mouth. Then you get this guy, Joram, he says, listen, I'm not, he's bad, but I'm not willing to undo my covenant that I made with David because of him. Uzziah, he did right in the eyes of God. He sought after God. He was faithful. Jotham did right in the eyes of God. He was faithful. King Ahaz did not do right in the eyes of God. He he was big into idols and different altars and human sacrifice. Uh, He was unfaithful. Hezekiah, Hezekiah did right in the eyes of God. He was faithful. Manasseh did evil in the sight of God. Again, idolatry, human sacrifice. He was unfaithful. King Amos or Amon, he did evil in the sight of God. Again, idols. He, it actually says about him that he incurred guilt more and more. And so you start like reading some of these kings and reading of their, their legacies that they've left. And it's like, you look at Amos and you're like, more and more? The guys before him were were sacrificing people, but he incurred more and more guilt. Then you have Josiah. Josiah did right in the eyes of the Lord. Josiah didn't turn aside to the right or to the left. He was bang, focused. He was faithful. And then you get to Jeconiah, and at Jeconiah, now the the nation of Judah, the land of Judah, finds itself now being deported to, to Babylon. Through all of that, God is faithful. And then you look at verses Matthew chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. 
Then you have, <coughs> excuse me, this guy, um, Shealtiel. He was the, he was the governor of, of Jerusalem under, under, under the Persian regime. So he was kind of a, he was kind of in charge, but probably not really, but it sounded good. Then you have Zerubbabel. He returned from exile. He helped rebuild the altar. He, he, was, he was very instrumental in, in, in setting the foundation and building the foundation for the temple. He was kind of like a governor um, as well. And then you have this list. Abihud, Eliakim, Azor, Zadok, Achim, Eliud, Eleazar, Mathen, Jacob. We don't know who, a lot about who these men were. This is sometimes the only time that their name appears in the Bible. There's other Zadoks, but they're, they're priests, and so we don't have a lot of real specific information. You have all these kings, right, leading up to this point, who some were faithful, some were not, some were very wicked and evil, to the point where the nation gets judged and goes into to exile to Babylon. He's punishing them for their unfaithfulness. But he shows his faithfulness and again brings them back to this land that he promised David, but he promised it to, to Abraham. And then there are these, 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 these names, these, these people that we just, we just don't know anything about. I don't want to say that they're, they're nobodies, but we just we don't, we don't know them. But they're profoundly significant. Why? Because Jacob, the father of Jacob, was the father of Joseph, who was the husband of Mary, of whom Jesus was born, who is called Christ. So those genealogies, those kings are profoundly important because they show us the faithfulness of our God. As unfaithful as they were, God remained faithful. And so as you sit here and you think about right, your life, you think about the way that you live your life, right, and the decisions that you make, right, and those times that you openly rebel and thumb your nose at God's, but yet He's, he's faithful to you, right, and He gives you opportunity to, to repent and to ask for forgiveness and to rest in His grace and to realize that He has you in the palm of His hands. You're safe, but He has a desire for you to, to live in a way that's pleasing and honoring to Him. It's what He calls you to do. It's who He wants you to be, and He's patient. His, his hesed, His compassion, His love, His mercy. Right? We sing about that. We, we share about that. <laughs> Right, so we see, so this, I know like Christmas was yesterday, but it still feels like Christmas to me, right? We celebrate the arrival of Jesus, our Savior, the faithfulness of our God to His plan. It's His faithfulness to us, and He calls to be faithful.
be faithful. Let me pray for us. Lord, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your words. Lord, I thank you for the faithfulness that your word shows us. Lord, and sometimes we can talk about your faithfulness. Lord, and it becomes almost like lip service. Lord, but then we can read Psalm 89. And we can read verses 30 through 33 that talks about the unfaithfulness of people. Lord, and that, that hurts. But Lord, it makes your faithfulness so much brighter. Lord, it should bring us a sense of awe and wonder for who you are. Lord, it should draw us closer to you. Lord, we should see your son Jesus so clearly. We should see your gospel so clearly because of your faithfulness to us. Although we are faithless, you remain faithful because you cannot deny yourself. And so, Lord, may we sing praises of your faithfulness. Lord, may we sing praises of your steadfast love. Lord, may we walk out of here understanding that we have a God who is infinitely patient with us and who loves us and who, who allows us to, to, to approach him and to, to commune with him and to have forgiveness and to have a relationship with him. Lord, and we have that because of Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. May we be a people that sing praises of your faithfulness. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Twin Villages Church in Damariscotta, Maine. Feel free to share this message with others. And for more information about Twin Villages Church, visit twinvillageschurch.org. Soli Deo Gloria.